Hello and welcome to Calling All Cars from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Calling All Cars, a presentation of the Rio Grande Oil Company. Calling All Cars, Calling All Cars, San Francisco Police Calling All Cars. Broadcast 45, regarding a dope ring operating on the skid row. Lay off this angle, boys. State narcotic men are handling it. That is all. Rio Grande now has four big radio shows in the air. If you enjoy calling all cars, drive into any service station selling Rio Grande cracked gasoline... And ask for a free radio bar. It tells you about the police cases to be dramatized this month on Calling All Cars and describes all the other Rio Grande radio shows. Get yours free. And don't be frightened if you see a police car in your Rio Grande station. The same Rio Grande cracked gasoline you use is officially selected to power the police cars, fire trucks, ambulances, and other emergency engines of a score of cities. This doesn't miss these cities that the cracking process makes Rio Grande cracked gasoline faster and more powerful. You can get police car performance in your own car by using Rio Grande cracked gasoline with Tetra Ethel. And while it costs just more to make, it costs you nothing extra. We are privileged to introduce Inspector F.J.A. O'Farrell, who is in charge of the Division of Narcotic Enforcement for the State of California. Inspector O'Farrell. The narcotic evil has become a menace to America because of the lack of interest and knowledge on the part of the public. This evil touches and concerns every American citizen, and it is only through the education of the individuals of this nation can the menace be curtailed. Information is reached the division of definite cases where informal run-runners are turning to illicit narcotic smuggling and peddling as a source of revenue due to the 18th Amendment. It is also a known fact of the division that through its contact with other law enforcement bodies that eastern gangs have attempted to muscle in on western territories, a situation that keeps the police departments of the west on their toes to prevent such an invasion. For behind the gang situation, the narcotic evil. Although handicapped by curtailed personnel and inadequate funds, the State Narcotic Division, under the efficient leadership of my chief, William G. Walker, has been able to carry on the battle against narcotics just as vigorously and effectively as it has in the past when times were better. But we need the active, interested cooperation of every citizen. It is the hope of Chief Walker and myself that the story you are about to hear will bring home to you a little more vividly the constant menace which exists in the drug traffic and the absolute necessity of stamping it out of its distance. Thank you, Inspector O'Farrell. Under the direction of Chief William G. Walker, Inspector O'Farrell supervises the operations of drugstores and hospitals licensed to dispense narcotics, as well as coordinating the activities in his department 
in suppressing the illegal peddling of drugs on the street. One day, he is visited by a well-dressed young woman. Good afternoon, Inspector. How do you do? Won't you be seated? Thank you. I don't suppose you remember me. No, I'm sorry. I don't think I do. I didn't think you would. I've dyed my hair back to natural since you saw me last. So, so that accounts for it, eh? Well, let me in on the secret. Who are you? I'm Martha Grant. Remember? I worked as a nurse for Dr. Perkins. Dr. Perkins? Oh, yes. That phony medic who ran the Heights Sanitarium over in Oakland? The one the federal sent to Leavenworth? Yes, that's right. Why, sure, I remember you. You testified at his trial. I always felt sorry for you being mixed up in that mess. Well, it was pretty disagreeable, but it couldn't be helped. You know, I learned to hate that man. The way he takes those poor dope addicts, takes them as patients, promise to break their habit, and then all he do is to sell them dope. Well, he deserves to go to the penitentiary. Well, I don't know there, Miss Grant. Well, after working with that would-be doctor, I couldn't stop. I couldn't get away from it. You don't mean he gave you a habit, Miss Grant. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, that's very funny. No, what I mean is that, that I couldn't stop thinking of those poor suffering people. I, I don't know. I suppose it gets in your blood. I wanted to do something for them, to help them. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a mighty fine ambition, Miss Grant. I don't know exactly what you could do to help them. About all we can do down here is to hinder them. That is, hinder them from getting their supplies. I know that. But I've done a lot of studying since that case, and I believe I know how to handle the problem. After all, I am a registered nurse, you know. Of course. Now, just what do you propose doing? Just this, Inspector. I'm going to open a sanitarium for the cure of narcotic victims. Well, like the ex-doctors? Of course not. I mean to do good. Well, that's fine. I certainly hope you'll succeed. I know I shall. I just wanted to let you know, Inspector, what I'm doing. I just wanted you to know that that I'm behind you in the great battle you're waging to stop the use of drugs. Well, that's fine, Mr. I appreciate that. And I wish more citizens were as interested as you are. A few months later, O'Farrell, making his usual rounds of inspection on drugstores and hospitals, visits Martha Grant at her newly opened Pure Sanatorium, a modest cottage of three rooms. On his next tour of inspection, a few months later, the officer finds her established in a six-room flat, and three months later, she has moved to a ten-room house. Still on every visit, she assures the inspector that things are going very badly for her, and that she doesn't know how she can hang on. When O'Farrell, on a later inspection trip, finds her established in a 16-room mansion with a half-acre of grounds around it, his suspicions are definitely aroused. He discusses the situation with his chief, Captain Peters. I tell the chief there's something phony about that game. Maybe it's just one of my Irish hunters, but I don't think he's on the level. Well, they didn't get anything on her in that Perkins case. I know they didn't. She had me sold all right when she came in here last year and told me she wanted to open an addict sanitarium. Went into a lot of stuff about her duty to mankind. I told you about it at the time. Yes, I remember. But when I find her in the bigger joint, every time I drop in on her, and when she always cries the blues to me, I figure there's something wrong somewhere. Well, what are you supposed to do? You know, Louie Minsky, that little hype we picked up on Howard Street last week? Yeah. Well, Louie's got a pretty tough habit. So? So I figured I'd give him a hundred bucks for Flash Joe and send him over to Martha's to take the cure. Well, how do you know he won't pay with our hundred bucks? That's our chance. I won't guarantee that. But it's the only way we're going to find out what's going on over there. I think Louie's smart enough not to waltz off with the day. 
He knows we can send him to the pen if he starts any monkey business. Okay, then. Hop to it. Let me know how you make out. Inspector O'Farrell heals Louis Minsky with $100 and sends him across to Martha's establishment in Oakland. He is surprised to look up from his desk later in the day and see Louis standing in the door. What the devil are you doing back here? Wait a minute. What's the big idea, Louis? Giving me the run around? I sent you over to Martha. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You know I wouldn't give you the run around. You know I'm an all right guy. I've been over there. Well, what happened? Well, I went over there and I I saw this broad and I put the shake for him. Didn't have to put it on much, though. I sure need a job. You'll do. How about it, Chief? Listen, Louis, you know me better than to ask me that. Come on, come on, stop beating around the bush. What happened over there? I told her the same. I wanted to take the cure, like you told me to. What did she say? She said she didn't care much about taking patients. So I flashed the road like you told me to, and she just passed over that. You weren't interested in patients, huh? What else did she say? Well, as a matter of fact, I, I tried to buy a bingo of stuff. Well, I don't Well, I needed it bad, Chief. Did you sell her it? No. She got sore. They said, how'd she know I wasn't a thief? And she threw me out. She sure she's dead. She's not that dumb. Well, I couldn't get any snow after all. Well, ain't that too bad. Where's the hundred bucks? I guess. All of it. Count it. And now, Chief, can I have a little shot? No. that Martha Grant's addiction sanatorium is merely a blind for dope peddling activities, the State Narcotic Bureau intensifies its efforts to take some junk back to her. Every hyphen peddler brought into headquarters is grilled regarding his source of supply. For weeks, the rounding up and questioning of addicts goes on without any success. Finally, from an unexpected direction comes an offer of assistance when Johnny Rabb, one of the hikes picked up in the dragnet, gets an audience with some success. Finally, from an unexpected direction comes an offer of assistance when Johnny Rabb, one of the hikes picked up in the dragnet, gets an audience with Captain Figure and Inspector O'Farrell. Well, Johnny, what's on your mind? Look here, Inspector. I don't like jail one little bit. Who does? Well, I want to make a deal with you. Oh, you want to know by now you can't make a deal with us? Is that what you came down here to talk about? You're wasting our time. Now, wait. Now, wait till you hear what I got to say. I'll turn informer for you. I want to get out. What have you got to inform? I ain't saying, but I can put you in touch with a good connection. Who? Well, what good would it do to tell you? You couldn't get anything on him if you don't let me out to do it. Why not? Well, because if you don't let me out, he'll know in 24 hours that he's hot and he'll take it on the lamp. How big is he? Plenty. He's the boss of the peddlers on a skid row. Got four or five hypes dropping for him. You set me loose and I'll get the stuff on him. We'll let you know, Johnny. You wait outside while the chief and I talk it over. Okay. Well, how's that sound to you, chief? Set a chief to catch the chief, huh? That's about it. We'll have to give him some grease to buy the stuff, but it ought to be worth it. And that might lead to Martha Grant. She seems to be the ringleader of this outfit. Oh, I hate to put my trust in these types. I know, but it didn't hurt any of the trust Louis Minsky. He came back with a dough. Yeah, but what do you know about this bird? Oh, nothing much. But I'll put a tail on him so he won't have much of a chance to double cross us. Okay, it's a cinch we're not getting anywhere until we knock over the plant of this outfit. These small fire peddlers don't mean a thing. O'Farrell turns Johnny Rabb loose with a couple of hundred dollars. Rabb makes two contacts with Joe Riley, the big shot of the Skid Row dope ring, and makes two purchases of an ounce of morphine. After gaining Riley's shot, and makes two purchases of an ounce of morphine, and makes two purchases of an ounce of morphine. After gaining Riley's confidence, Rabb is invited by him to go on a coke party. 
Excusing himself, he telephones headquarters. He telephones headquarters. Coast party. Excusing himself, and Prudence Rab is invited by him to go on a scene. After gaining Riley's time and makes two purchases of an ounce of more, the big shot of the Skid Row dope rings, the big shot of the Skid Row dope rings, Rab makes two contacts with Joe Riley. Rab makes two contacts with Joe Riley. Rab loose with a couple of hundred dollars. Rab loose with a couple of hundred dollars. Rab loose with a couple of hundred dollars. Inspector O'Farrell turns Johnny... Inspector O'Farrell turns Johnny... Inspector O'Farrell turns Johnny... Inspector O'Farrell turns Johnny...
spring moon rising out of the east bay is slowly extinguished in the smothering soft claws of the fog that comes rolling in through the Golden Gate. The late evening quiet of the harbor suddenly finds voice as the whistle buoys take up their eerie warning. Ferry boats, which had gaily twist across the bay like young girls on their way to a dance, now slink into the dock, lights shrouded in mist. Hours pass, and the of each ferry is the signal for Conley and O'Farrell to start the motor of their police car and crouch in the shadows of the ferry building, scanning each passing automobile as it rolls off the gangplank. Finally, toward midnight, another boat shoulders into the dock. Francisco. 
Captain Seeger and O'Farrell leave Connolly with the prisoner while they go up on deck for a smoke. Throw this guy in the cat, O'Farrell. He's just giving us a runaround. No, no, Chief. I think he'll play ball with us. But tonight's not the time. He's too rum-dumb. He can't even see so dunked up. Well, I don't like to let a hophead make a monkey out of me. Look here, Chief. A case is a case. You let me handle this bird. I'll get some action out of him. Well, okay. But I think you're just wasting time. O'Farrell stays up all night questioning and re-questioning Riley. Finally, he promises to cooperate with the officers. At 9 in the morning, he calls Martha, but she is out. Again at 12, he tries, but fails to communicate with her. In the late afternoon, Seeger and O'Farrell take Riley back to his room in the hotel. At 5 o'clock, Riley calls Martha once more. O'Farrell and Seeger listen in on the two extensions. Hello, Martha. Oh, that party last night did me in, Martha. I slept in late. I tried to get you at noon, but you just left. sounded that way when I talked to her. Why don't you get rid of that broad? Yeah, but she can't handle it. She, she's dynamite. Oh, well, look, a friend of mine's going down to L.A. and needs some clothes. I wish you'd send over three suits. commanding an unobstructed view of the entrance, and Connolly and Dundas hiding in Riley's room. It is a few moments before 9.30 when O'Farrell nudges Seeger. There she is, Chief. Where? Just going into the hotel. Oh, yeah. And she's got the stuff with her. Notice that package under her arm? Yep. We're in luck. Well, we might as well sit tight here and let the boys take her in the room. I got to hand it to you, O'Farrell. I'd have given this case up last night. I was so sore at that time. Oh, I don't know. I just hate to give up a case until I hammer it to pieces. Well, that's a swell way to be. Hey, look, here comes Connie out of the hotel. I wonder what's the matter. What's up, Charlie? We got the dame up in the room. But she came in clean. Didn't have a thing on her. Oh, you must be crazy. She had a package under her arm when she went in the hotel. Well, she ducked it somewhere because she hasn't a thing on her now. And she's raising the devil about full to rest. Come on, let's get in there. Oh, Where's that elevator boy? Hey, you. Yes, sir? Did you 
you take a lady up to the second floor in the last five minutes? No, sir. Did you see a lady come in? Oh, I recollect like I do, sir. Where'd she go? Maybe she went upstairs, sir. Did she have a package under her arm? Maybe she did, sir. Maybe she didn't. Come on, up the stairs. Keep your eyes open, sir. Waiting for Martha to bring me some more. 
What are you doing here, Stella? Oh, I came here as a patient. Martha was going to make me well. Mm-hmm. I thought so. She, she did a good job of it. Oh, indeed she did, Inspector. Oh, I feel better right now than I ever did. Yeah, I can imagine. Come on, Inspector. Let you and me go up somewhere where we can talk, huh? Look here, Stella, I mean business. Where's the rest of this stuff? Well, that's all it is, Inspector, honey. I've just been waiting for Martha to bring me some more. Well, you're not going to get any more. Martha's never going to bring you any more. Never any, never any more. Oh, 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 Inspector. Oh, oh, that's awful. I've got to have some more, Inspector. Oh, please. Oh, please, Inspector. I've got to have some more. So that's the kind of narcotic crusading Martha's been doing, huh? Uh, That poor kid. Probably from some good family. And look at him now. Ah, yeah, it's a crying shame. Well, let's search this kitchen and see if there's anything hidden in here. Yeah, nothing in there. Nothing in here. Uh, uh-oh. What's that? A gas and light bill made out to Martha Miller, 535 and 3 45th Street. It's a minimum service charge. 40 cents for gas and 60 cents for electricity. Punch. Hunt, this is See? The minimum. That would mean she has used practically no gas and light. This is probably the hideaway. Well, it's worth a try. Okay. Let's leave Harrigan in charge here and beat it over there. and find that it is a bungalow court. 535 and three quarters turns out to be the last house in the rear, further checking with Riley's description of the plant. The door is locked, and the officers let themselves in through the kitchen window. They switch on the light. Now, Riley, Riley said the stuff was in the cooler. Let's see. Strike a match, will you, Bobo? Yeah. Uh, that's better. Now, wait. Wait till I feel around her here. Uh-oh. Here's something. Yes, sir, here's the stuff. Ounces. Well, that's the payoff. Now we got Martha Grant right where we want her. Yes, sir. Let's get back to the other joint. Now. Wait a minute. Here's something to make him in handy. What's that? The key to the place. Lying here on the table. Bring it along and we'll have a little talk with Martha. During the absence of the two inspectors, Lieutenant Barbo's men have discovered two more ounces in the barn behind Martha's house. O'Farrell and Barbo hurried back to headquarters and faced Martha with their fine. Well, Martha, do you recognize what I'm holding in my hand? No. You don't? Then I'll tell you what it is. These are two-ounce cans of morphine we found in your barn. Well, what are they? Well, I'm not sure yet. Anything familiar about these two packages? No. No? Well, I'll identify them for you. These are two-ounce cans of morphine found at your plant at 535 and 345th Street. That's the plant you rented under the name of Martha Miller. You must be crazy. I never used that name. No? Well, here is a key I found in your pocketbook. And here's the one I found at the 45th Street address. Notice that they match. And they both fit the door of the bungalow on 45th Street. 
Now what have you got to say? What's there left for me to say? I guess you made the place okay. Looks like this is the time little Martha takes a fall. You know, there are three grades of gasoline on the market. Automotive engineers agree that Rio Grande cracked with tetraethyl is so good it could sell at top price. But we prefer to give our independent dealers a better quality gasoline, which they can sell to you at the same price as the uncracked gasolines of their competitors. Then when you feel a difference, when you experience the thrill of police car performance in your own car, you'll come back to the independent Rio Grande dealer who gives you a top-quality gasoline at a lower price. This plan works. Rio Grande Cracked is the fastest-growing gasoline in this market. And this sales increase is due entirely to repeat sales to satisfied customers. Are you one? Go to a Rio Grande service station. Ask for a free radio log. Put cracked gasoline in your tank. Sinclair motor oil in the crankcase, and we guarantee you'll get police car performance. And boys and girls, your Rio Grande service station has a present for you. You are invited to join the junior police department to help your own chief of police fight crime and save lives. You will get a genuine metal police badge to wear absolutely free. Just get your father or mother to drive into any service station selling Rio Grande cracked gasoline and tell them to ask for a junior police department enrollment card for you. No obligation to buy anything. Good night for the Rio Grande Oil Company. <laughs>